0: Henry the Sheepdog and the Wolf of Mossville, a children's book about fake news by Lauren Southern. Not much happens in Mossville. Perhaps the odd spat between Patricia the pig or Karen the porcupine would occur at the knitting club, or Terry the turtle would bring up some deep dissatisfactions about the distribution of acorns at the council meetings. It was a quiet place, and the village certainly had never seen a dog before, It was all the chatter that week. Tom the Hare, local reporter for the Morning Mossville, was in a hard spot. The Hamster Herald was taking off, and he'd always been in close competition with both the Beaver Buzz and the Raccoon Review. He needed a scoop desperately. What better idea than to get a glimpse of the new dog visitor? The story would go wild. Back at Mossville, Tom the Hare was furiously writing at his typewriter. Pages flew about the room. This will be the story of a lifetime, thought Tom. New visitor, a wolf in sheep's clothing, the headline read, with a big picture of Henry the Sheepdog on the front, baring his fangs. Tom the Hare began printing hundreds of copies, Then, he rushed them to each shop and put sacks on doorways, in windows, and everywhere he could reach. The story began to spread like wildfire. Everyone in the village was desperate to get a copy of the Morning Mossville report. The hamsters were horrified. The squirrels were shocked. The foxes were frightened. The possums were petrified. A wolf in Mossville? Well, I never, yelled Terry the Turtle nearly dropping his lettuce while gawking at the morning paper. The next day, Terry the Turtle arrived bright and early outside Basil's burrow with a loudspeaker, which he used to make speeches on the dangers of wolves. Other animals carried hand-painted signs reading, No wolves in our town. Some animals didn't even bother painting signs, but just threw paint at Basil's burrow, making a terrible mess. And over it all, Terry kept shouting, come out, come out, wolf. We don't want you in our town. Terry had a guard of other animals standing around him wearing badges that said anti-wolf. Hi everybody. Welcome back to Memes' Politics. I hope you are ready to rot your brain with right-wing conspiracies tonight. I've grown a bit used to it, so I've built up a tolerance. I'm sitting now on the floor of our new apartment back in New York. I probably sound a little bit different. We have almost no furniture, but plenty of cardboard boxes. I think this will be a little bit more of a casual stream, so we're gonna talk we're gonna riff for an hour good to see you talia good to see you stock human in the chat man where to begin for this month there are just simply so many stories to track straight out of the chart of truth there was a metallic monolith found in remote utah i'm sure you've seen this going around people are not sure whether it's art or it's a hoax for those of us in the art world This looks a lot like a John McCracken piece. Who's a canonized artist, shows it's Werner. Uh, The gallery seems to deny it, but his family, specifically his son, said that uh, this was something that he had hinted at in his practice a while ago. Payfreeze in the chat says that it's art. Do you mean it's art just in general? It's like a work of art or like it's confirmed it's a John McCracken piece now? Because it seemed like he used to live in New Mexico, I guess somewhere that's not too far away. Blam is saying it's got rivets. Yes, I noticed that there was um, there's weld marks. At what I thought were initially screw heads on the back of it. Yeah, payfree says oh, just in general. Yeah, yeah, happening upon this strange unexplainable thing. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't look up to snuff. It doesn't have the finish fetish and all of the uh, the high end fancy mirrored finish that a regular McCracken piece would have. I did okay. So there was a there was a piece in the Times. This quote certainly caught my eye. Did John McCracken make that monolith in Utah? And they've got a side by side of the two, uh, one photograph of the monolith, another photograph of a McCracken piece. I think this is in the Whitney. I'm not sure. Is that where it is? No, it's downstairs at uh, Ed Zwerner. Okay. Fancy, fancy blue chip gallery. Yeah, yeah. So where where is this quote? They describe his sculptures as otherworldly. John McCracken's son is a photographer who lives in San Francisco, and he gave this quote to the Times. He wasn't your average sort of dad. He believed in advanced alien races that were able to visit Earth. To his mind, these aliens had been visiting Earth for a long time, and they were not malevolent. They wanted to help humanity get past this time of our evolution, where all we do is fight each other. I didn't realize that McCracken was like a... uh Does everybody else know this? And I don't know it. McCracken Posadism confirmed. Yeah, yeah. McCrackenist Posadism. I didn't realize it. I mean, I feel like ever since we started the chart of truth, we just uncover more and more deeper, deeper, crazier conspiracies. And it's like super mainstream, you know, McCracken is blue chip canonized artists showing at I don't know. What would you say Zwerner is? Like the third biggest gallery in the world. Billions upon billions of revenue. Like, the, I mean, they're pretty, you know, easily recognizable sculptures. They're like shiny <laughs> rectangular monoliths. But supposedly he had mentioned one of the things he would like to do within his lifetime was to place his art where people would happen upon it by accident. That seems to be what happened here. He was making them in the 60s when all the alien stuff began popping off. Yeah, yeah, that could work. I mean, you know, who's to say, just looking at the side-by-side of these two pieces, let's say, for example, John McCracken has an unfinished sculpture in his studio, and he's like, well, where do I put it? Yeah, I should just drop it in the middle of the desert. Why not? Why not? Chart of truth continues. Okay, quick update on our ongoing bread tube survey. We are now almost at the end of the alphabetized list on breadtube.tv. Do send us stuff. I think we're gonna continue this survey for a few weeks now. If we're not seeing it in the feed somewhere, do send it our way. Uh, I've got a running list of a few suggestions sent in from people that we'll get to. Novara is doing an AMA tonight because they just hit 100K subs on YouTube. I guess the pandemic has been good for left media, right? Let's dive into our main story this week. So I was trying to track for a special election coverage episode, all of the various crazy theories that have been going on today, even Trump is still tweeting about how the election has been stolen from him. A lot of those tweets have been censored to some degree or another by Twitter Uh, So we are really hitting some kind of inflection point now where Twitter is supplanting the government as the arbiter of truth. Uh, an, An interesting thing that we've been awaiting for a little while. We'll try and go through these in order. The first major attempt at holding water for the failing presidential bid was rampant voter fraud. And there are a few videos online I'm sure I can't show this on the stream actually. People burning ballots, people destroying ballots.
1: You gotta do what you gotta do. Fuck Trump. Got around 80.
0: Some of them seem to be. Credible in that they were indeed a real video, but they were not actual ballots being destroyed. They were um, prototype ballots or proxy ballots. This also started a competition of people producing phony ballot destruction videos. Let's pull up this first one. This is from Reuters here. (laughs) This one, (laughs) this is pretty good. This guy, I mean... (laughs) This is the stakes are actually pretty high so I can't I can't really give an endorsement to this, but it's pretty funny He's just like some shithead kid who made a phony video of people destroying ballots <laughs> And later he comments on his Facebook So I did this video in my Amazon outfit because y'all know I'm always joking and it's getting crazy views So when do I move to Hollywood? Ha 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 I work at the boat bailouts, which means we get your boat and we separate So if some of these votes happen to say, like this one, Donald J. Dumb Trump, that one just gonna make it towards the mail. Second major thread that was pushed by a lot of the right-wing media, a lot of these right-wing accounts, was um, a big surge of dead voters, which doesn't seem to have panned out either. The third and final meme that was given a major push in the last few weeks was the fraud jump meme. In Michigan and in Wisconsin, as the votes are being tallied, you've probably seen this depicted as two overarching lines, blue and red, and then blue, towards the very end, as both curves are plateauing, unexpectedly jumps up. So around 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. in Michigan and Wisconsin, there were uh, a huge increase of 100,000-plus votes for Biden. This circulated for a few days. It didn't really seem to stick as well because there are a dozen counties where, based on how they count the votes and what districts come in at what time... The tallies do tend to jump in favor of one candidate or another if they're counting, say, for example, a metropolitan area versus a rural area and so on. But the fraud jump meme, that one pretty quickly exhausted itself. The major narrative that seems to have stuck and has now become the dominant trend, also because it was pushed significantly by Trump himself, was that Dominion, the voting machines and the software, that is used in some counties, but not all, is in some way rigged for a variety of various reasons. And the claims have been shifting significantly over time. They've tried a few of them. Part of it says that the pieces were made in China and that China has been influencing the vote. One of the theories says that the data goes overseas. But it really seems like they tried out a few different options. And uh, you know, to one degree or another, this is where they've all landed. So I tried to take a tally of all of the channels or all of the influencers that were pushing this dominion is rigged narrative and eventually i just couldn't keep track because it was pretty much across the board they're all towing the party line but I'll just run down my list here quickly to show you how extensive it is. I have Roosh here, This is, his, his bit was quite funny actually. He said that uh, the reason some of the recounts took so long is because Trump won by an overwhelming margin. He won by millions upon millions and the Democrats had to spend four days printing additional fake ballots. It's pretty good. So we've got Roosh, Ashley St. Clair, Dan Bongino, Scott Pressler, John Miller, Bronze Age Pervert, Candace Owens, Nick Fuentes, Jaden McNeil, Scott Adams, Stephen Crowder, Charlie Kirk, Glenn Beck, Lauren Southern, etc. etc. So it's it was pretty much all across the board, from far right to mainstream, from social media to news anchor, what have you, the grifter list. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Talia. That's a good name for it, exactly. So after trying out all the variables, this is the one that stuck. And I think it's the one that stuck because it gives you the most directions in which to point fingers. I've tried to go down some of those rabbit holes to bring back some tiny nugget of truth. I have been mostly unsuccessful, but let's try and go through some of those stories and see what we turn up. So the infamous tweet from Trump claims that 2.7 million votes were deleted and thousands were switched. I ran down that story, tried to check and, and do my due diligence for the links and whatnot. I want to give a shout out to Ali Breland, friend of the stream, journalist at Mother Jones. He had some great coverage on this. Trump is paraphrasing in his tweet a story from OAN, and OAN is reposting a story from the Gateway Pundit. The Gateway Pundit is reposting what they call unaudited data from an analyst on thedonald.win. And thedonald.win is the forum where all of the refugees from r slash thedonald have regathered since it was deplatformed on Reddit. So a few months ago when they were kicked off of Reddit, this is normally what happens the mildly crazy people tend to scatter (laughs) the extremely crazy people all gather on a new forum and this is something that i have tried to argue for quite a while where every platform migration thins the herd but those that remain grow more radical than ever in most cases this is a very effective way of quarantining a politically dangerous faction but usually they're quarantined because the spread of their information is some way cut off in that they don't have immediate access to the mainstream channels. But what seems to be happening here is that they found a clever way of upstreaming the process where this theory that's been posted to the Donald.win is completely unsubstantiated. It's like it's really just one lunatic guy's theory. Let me show you what this website actually looks like. So this is, the, this is the post that makes the original claim from the Donald dot win. And you can kind of see already, these are mostly <laughs> the, the ravings of a lunatic with the number, the amount of capital letters and, and everything else here. But this creates the plausible deniability that the gateway pundit can reference this and oan can reference the gateway pundit and trump can reference oan and it creates this constant chain of deferral where the person at the bottom of this Easily a lunatic with all of those alarm emojis. But everyone can kind of say, you know, this is unaudited data. It's from a private analyst. We don't know if it's true or not. It certainly doesn't seem like deplatforming this group made them any less influential, right? Like the point of deplatforming is supposed to protect the political body from the most extreme elements. Clearly, that's not working here because it went from this anonymous poster... That we're looking at right now on the screen, this anonymous poster on the Donald.win to the president's Twitter. So, you know, what is deplatforming really doing in this case? Well, it's protecting Reddit, it's protecting Reddit from being responsible for the next crazy person who does something, but it's not actually limiting the reach of quote unquote dangerous or politically toxic material. So this story gets quite a bit deeper, but let's just look through these really quickly. I want to show, okay, these paste bin, can we find the JPEGs? Okay, so this is the proof, actually, this is what you're looking at here on the screen. This is, this is supposedly the proof. What happens is that periodically as the machine, the Dominion machine, is calculating the votes, it spits out these timestamped updates. And you can see here, Trump D versus Biden J. That's how they're listed in the system. And the total number of votes here is 573,857. The following total is 574,417. But the ratios for Trump and Biden have moved marginally further apart, meaning the allegation is that votes for Biden In this system somehow secretly are being additionally weighted in that if you were to walk in and cast a vote for Donald Trump it would tally your vote as 1.0 and if you were to walk in and cast a vote for Joe Biden it would tally your vote as 1.1 or something like that they're saying that there's an additional weight to the Biden votes because as you can see on the numbers here the ratios have marginally shifted in a way that is disproportionate to the vote tally. So they've gotten an additional 1,000 people, and the 0.005 margin has shifted in favor of Biden, which is disproportionate to the 1,000 votes accumulated in between the two timestamps. Specifically, we're looking at 151 26, 151, 52. There's a few of these, so let's just go through them quickly. I wanted to hover on that one so we could look at the pattern, but they seem to to plot this throughout a number of different updates. These are the periodic updates that, um, oh wow, some of these screenshots have been taken down. Okay, so here we've got another one. This is check in 187 and check in 188, and you see a similar thing happen again. Keep in mind, Trump is winning still in all of these status updates. But they're just marginally, marginally picking up a bigger percentage for Biden. Or or rather, I should say, a smaller percentage for Trump. But I went through each of these individually. It's quite a long post. Some of these have been taken down, as you can see. I mean, I'm sure there's been an incredible amount of attention on this this single post. There's 4,364 comments on it now. It's been updated a few times since. Makes its way to the Gateway Pundit then to OAN, then to Trump. But the stunningly simple explanation for all of this is that these periodic status updates from the Dominion machines are not the actual vote tally. It's just a status update that is rounded to a decimal point. (laughs) That's all it is. But of course, that doesn't stop any of the conspiracies. Dominion, of course, denies all of this. In a press release, this is, quote, the most secure election in American history, and there is no evidence of anything being compromised. Breitbart has some great coverage. (laughs) Breitbart has some great coverage. If you go back to 2019, both Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar were on a high horse about how, how Dominion voting machines could easily be hacked and how the whole system was insecure. So they've really been running with that one. It's quite entertaining. Someone sent me a tweet today. I'm not on Twitter, so I don't know about this. I have to hear about all of it secondhand. Someone sent me a tweet today that Trump is still going on about this, that they're stealing Pennsylvania. Because I have a tweet from him here on my notes. This is from, it must be a week ago now, that there's a bunch of votes missing in Pennsylvania. There are supposedly 47 USB Josh never misses a step to say he's not on Twitter. <laughs> it's bad for discourse and it's bad for your brain. Uh there are supposedly though. I believe this is confirmed. Maybe, I don't know. 47 USB sticks that are missing from Pennsylvania. But it's important to keep in mind that in all of the districts where Dominion voting machines were used, Trump won in all of them. Every single county, every single district wherever there's a dominion voting machine in Pennsylvania, Trump won. So, maybe there's some votes missing but it doesn't actually affect the the final tally. So, I have a theory I have a theory about all of this as well, about, you know, why why there's so much misinfo being spread here. Let's let's go down this rabbit hole because there's many fingers pointing in many different directions here. Calling it the most secure election in history will only cause more skepticism, even if it's true. That's that's a good point, for sure, yeah. You know, part of what we're what we're learning here is that there's simply no more consensus reality in American life. There's not a form of logical argumentation that's going to win people over to your side. I mean, what could the New York Times really show them? How could the New York Times prove anything to them after demonizing their whole demographic, demonizing their their cultural values and everything, really done themselves a disservice for trying to uh, logically convince someone. So this month was the big blow up for Newsmax. They went up to number two on the App Store very quickly. Most of this, from my understanding, had to do with a representative from Texas, Louis Gohmert, who is on Newsmax in an interview talking about a few of his sources who are quote, former Intel people, they are giving him information that Dominion is rigged. Dominion is owned by a company called Smartmatic. Smartmatic, in turn, is owned by a company called Cytel. Cytel is based in Barcelona, and it runs all of the data collected through the Dominion voting machines. The physical voting machines clearly are in the U.S., but the data is sent overseas to this server in Frankfurt, Germany. And all of these represent opportunities for foreign interference in the American elections. It gets especially curious because on the board of directors of Smartmatic is someone named Peter Neffinger, who's a a retired admiral, who happens to be on the Biden transition team. And there's someone on the board of directors of Seidel, who is also part of George Soros's Open Society. Hmm. Hmm. So what you're telling me now is that the companies that are doing all of the election data also happen to be part of biden's transition team his new government and they work for george soros this sounds pretty sketchy what is going on here
1: uh, Cytle, that's a place where all of this information was cycling through not supposed to But it was, and actually there was a uh, German that, uh, as I was told, there was uh, a tweet in German from Germany that the U.S. Army had gone in and seized the Seidel server. They're going through bankruptcy right now. Uh, So there's all kinds of games being played, and I had suggested that the president might get information uh, from Seidel and... The next day before and I sent him specifics that he needed to get that would be would show a lot of fraud. And the next day before that information could be gotten, somebody ordered the U.S. Army, according to the tweet, uh, to go in and seize the server. There are people involved inside the government that have been trying to take this president down, State Department, Intel community.
0: On top of this, it gets gets a little bit more kooky, Louis Gohmert on, on Newsmax, he says that the US Army, in coordination with the Department of Justice in Germany, is planning a raid on this server to get the data out of there. So trying to figure out what the hell is going on here. The evidence for this theory that the US Army is going to invade Frankfurt and grab the server is an anonymous tweet in German, that someone had sent to Louis Gohmert. So no one really knows what's going on with that one either. Seidel, of course, releases a press release which denies all of this. Might not necessarily be the people that you are most inclined to trust. The motto for their company is, quote, innovating democracy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) all of these fucking, all of these companies, like... Would you trust an app called Dominion? Like that sounds super fucking. It sounds like Star Wars, first of all. It sounds like some. It sounds like some fascist LARP out of Star Wars. And then you have Seidel, who you know, quote, innovating democracy. All of these things sound super, super sketch. But I'm I'm trying to get to the bottom of this story because now it's like I'm at this point. I'm watching these really grainy, um, clearly ESL auto cut together clips on BitShoot. shoot. Um, like I I'm sure this is in terms of media diet. This is just like sugar and junk food and trans fats. Like I, every, everything I'm watching is fake. I, I, I know that at some level, but I'm also kind of getting pilled in the process. The Cytle website crashes because so many people are in there sending email requests. It's it's just flooded. It's overwhelmed. The website crashes. This is now used as further evidence that the Dominion software is bad (laughs) because their website couldn't handle so many people. Okay, so trying to figure out, trying to sort out what's really happening here. It turns out that Dominion and Smartmatic and Cytle are all actually competitors with each other. They have nothing in common. They share no data. No one is sending the data overseas. There's no U.S. military raid on Frankfurt. The anonymous tweet from Louis Gohmert on Newsmax is completely made up. All of this is just a a rabbit hole of disinfo that the mist parts very quickly. There's not really much here at all. You know, I was really ready for this one to be like... Yeah, you know, the Democrats, the Democratic Party, like we do a lot of joking on the stream, but like legitimately the Democratic Party is the most corrupt institution on the planet. So I was, I was already like, you know, I was a very receptive audience. I was willing to be convinced that they were stealing the election. And despite my willingness, I I couldn't actually find enough credible info to be convinced So, um, you know, I feel extremely confident that there's literally nothing to this. And it didn't take me that long to get through it. I think this was a few hours of searching, a few hours of sifting through right-wing media, listening to uh, a bunch of videos, uh, browsing BitChute and, and things like that, looking on Telegram a bunch. But pretty quickly, you know, within a few hours, you get to the bottom of it. (laughs) <laughs> a few hours? LOL, that's a while. I'm actually I'm really, I'm really I've spent days looking at this. <laughs> I, I have a problem. I can't I can't tear myself away from right wing media. Um so so what's going on here? If it's very clearly false, and you can get to the bottom of that, you know, me not being an investigative journalist or whatever, how are all of these right wing channels, all of these influencers that I mentioned before, why are they all towing the party line if it's clearly fake? And I think, this is my working theory currently, the margins by which Biden won are actually very narrow. This, this tally, keep in mind, is outdated, but a margin of around 15,000 people in a few different counties could have flipped the results the other way, and Trump would have won. So my thought for this is that these right-wing channels, these right-wing influencers, are at some level aware that they're shilling a lie, that they're telling a fiction, but the, the objective here is to sow enough disinfo that they can build a life raft for Trumpism and they can survive for another few years and they can make a comeback in 2024. I think that they need to know on some level that they're lying, but in the greater interest of the Trumpian project of Trumpism as a whole, they need to keep the dream alive. And I think that helps to explain why the narrative is shifting so much. Because it's a pretty thin margin. Is it rigged voting machines? Is it dead voters? Is it voter fraud? Is it ballots being destroyed? Is it that China is running the, the data? Is it that USB drives are missing? What have you? It's not really any of them. It's very clear that they all turn up dead ends. But you just need to sow enough disinfo that people distrust it for one reason or another. And that will carry you through. So major takeaways for this, major takeaways for the election, a little bit of a white pill here. We have some good news for the left. DSA endorsed 40 candidates and 29 of them have won. I believe there are three that are still awaiting a final count. Let me check the, I actually have a link here to a a document that's keeping the tally. So let's see, is it 29 or... Okay, three races still not called yet. We have 29 confirmed that may go up to 32. But uh, hey, I mean, three out of four is really not a bad ratio. Major predictions for the end of the Trump era. A lot can happen in the next few weeks for sure. Big picture what I'm expecting here is that these horseshoe characters, uh, these Josh Hawleys, Tucker Carlson, and, and those types of guys, I think that their faux workerist rhetoric is going to spike way, way up. When those guys are out of power, when they don't really have any stakes behind the words and the rhetoric that they use, they're going to sound really left. They're going to sound really class conscious in the near future. And, you know, potentially there's going to be one of these right-wingers who gets irony poisoned by the rhetoric and uh, actually chooses to walk the walk instead of talk the talk. So I'm, I'm preparing, I'm mentally preparing for Republicans or a certain wing of the Republican Party, I should say, to rhetorically flank the neoliberal Democrats from the left. Because they can really drive that wedge. They can really drive the wedge between all of the catastrophic neoliberal policies that Biden will undoubtedly pass and the emerging Republican coalition that looks like the white working class and the Latinx that are now coming out in record numbers for Trump. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of fake news in the internet, oh boy. Um, next on my list is Marjorie Taylor Greene. People will know her as the QAnon congresswoman from Georgia. She is the full-blown stop the steal. Charlottesville was planned by the elites. Uh, she has said some really, really crazy things. Her social media is an artwork. It's, re- it's really incredible. She has, she has a gift for the caption. I can say that for sure. I think some of the coverage of her has been a little bit overblown in that she's like some crazy new age or Q type of person. She is, I think, a pretty savvy operator, actually. For all of the dumb stuff that she says, I think she's a pretty smart operator because... Uh, She's been distancing herself from Q for quite a while, for like a year and a half at this point. She's still labeled as the Q person, of course, but she now has this built-in plausible deniability that, you know, I was just friendly to those things, but I didn't really believe in them. I think Q is a bunch of misinfo. This is a quote, there's a quote of hers from this is at at least a year plus, where she described Q as being misinformation. And the way that she chose to do this is actually, I think, very tactical. She was saying Q is misinfo, not because the elites aren't smuggling adrenochrome and doing, uh, you know, sex cults and and whatever, like, you know, all of that stuff is true. But uh, Q was inaccurate in his predictions of a red wave during 2018. So during the midterm elections, Q had predicted a huge turnout for Republicans. That didn't pan out. And Marjorie, very tactically, very intelligently and strategically, Distance herself from Q by saying that uh, you know his his election predictions were misinfo, and that's why she doesn't trust him anymore. So she gets to hold on to all of the crazy stuff, but she also gets the sound bite out there that she's you know now broken with with Q. Let's take a look at a few of her few of her posts here. Oh my god, this is so good. These are so good. Bring your big toes to touch the, so... <laughs> to touch the Oh my god. This... <laughs> Okay, so this is a bunch of um, bloodless cosmopolitan liberals that should probably all be in Gulag. They're in these like personal domes, like personal bubble boy domes, and they're doing um, some type of a yoga downward dog thing where you have to stick your leg up. And I mean, the whole thing looks uh, incredibly uh, indulgent and uh, pod life. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Lab Matt in the chat saying pod life. Marjorie Taylor Greene, her caption work is really fantastic. During my next time in social. <laughs> Sorry, this just is really good. During my next time in socialist occupied DC, will there be a bubble provided for me to lift weights in? This is your future controlled by Democrats. Hashtag Soviet vibes. Hashtag welcome to the gulag. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Hashtag welcome to the gulag. Damn. Pretty, pretty good stuff, I gotta say. Uh, we, looked at, we looked at this one on the stream before. This is her next to, uh, I guess, a, a police officer fully decked out in body armor. Her caption reads, Due to BLM slash Antifa terrorist violence, I thankfully had a police escort from the Trump Hotel to my lift last night. The streets of D.C. were a war zone, but I was left defenseless because of anti-gun Democrats who run this city. I will work every day to end gun-free zones seeing how the platforms have treated the last few weeks, how they've treated the election in general, we are approaching some kind of a point where I think if the Republicans win the presidency next time around, these platforms are going to be regulated into smithereens. They're going to be, at the very least, broken apart into different competing companies. At the most, they might be nationalized. And that would be really the inflection point for the faux-workerist, rhetoric of the Josh Hawleys and the Tucker Carlsons and what have you. In the meantime, Marjorie Taylor Greene is, I think, a smarter actor than most people have given her credit for. I, I mean, she, she knows how to rile people up. She has the Q constituency appropriately folded into her base without needing to explicitly come out in support of those things. Uh, it, it strikes me as, as very effective strategy. Laura Loomer walked so Marjorie Taylor Greene could run. Laura Loomer, by the way, almost 40% of the vote. Like she did not, like you remember when Sargon of Akkad ran and he got like 1.5, like these meme candidates who are social media celebrities first and politicians second. She had the, had the opposite. I mean, she came in with, I think at the end, 39.5% of the vote and Sloan 94 in the chat says, I'm looming. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I can't believe I haven't seen that one before. That seems like it's uh uh seems like it's begging to be made. Yeah. Oh, cuz we were just chatting with Brad. Uh Laura Loomer by the way, deplatformed from everything that exists. She's deplatformed from Uber Eats. That was that was the big one. And now she's been kicked out of Petco in a recent post. She really is Yeah, Laura Loomer walked so Marjorie Taylor Greene could run. I think that's the takeaway here. I wanted to end the stream here with something I've been thinking about for a few weeks, in part spurred by the documentary we watched in the Discord channel, Arguing the World. We'd mentioned this on the last podcast. I wanted to put a big frame around this conversation and respond to a general right-wing criticism that quote, the left does not exist. That there is actually no such thing as the left now at this specific stage of historical development. Because all of this work of political education and recruitment online, if we don't take this criticism seriously, we're going to lose people, we're going to lose hearts and minds in general. As Destiny the Streamer once said, you are responsible for how people misinterpret you. In general, there are two conspiracies running through American society. The right-wing version of this is that the ruling class and the working class are colluding against the middle. I'm borrowing a big chunk of this from Elizabeth Brunick. And the right-wing conspiracy, the right-wing narrative, begins at immigration pushing wages down all the way to the Great Replacement and all the rest of it. There's also a left-wing version of this conspiracy that the ruling class and the middle class is colluding against the underclass. And that looks like people in red states voting against their economic self-interest. It looks like white supremacy and everything else under that umbrella. So the right will tell you that the ruling class and the working class are in collusion against the middle. The left will tell you that the ruling class and the middle class are colluding against the bottom. And both of these are partially true. And so I think part of what we're watching now, I'm paraphrasing some of this from Chris, Chris Cutrone, that what is being played out through the Democrats and through the Republicans is an infra ruling class conflict between finance capital and productive capital. Finance capital is Wall Street, it's pharma, it's intellectual property. Productive capital, on the other hand, is manufacturing, it's small business, etc. It's it's hard, tangible products. And very roughly, this infra-ruling class conflict is divided between the Democrats and the Republicans. And so... When we look at these right-wing criticisms of the left, and they say something like, all of, the, all of the anarcho-communist wing, all of the Antifa people, you know, they can't really ever pass any of their ideas. There is no policy. If you ask an anarcho-communist, you know, how does communism work? You get a 45-minute explanation that makes little to no sense. The people within the group can't really agree on it. And instead, what they do is they just seem to pave the way for general run-of-the-mill neoliberalism. That is the critique from the right. And as people who who really do believe in the theoretical part of it, who who believe in all of these foundational tenets of Marxism and and want to see that class analysis take place, uh, I do think we are overdue for a serious recollection of Who are we fellow travelers for right now? And what the documentary the other week brought up for me is that eventually, over the next few years, these two competing belief systems, meaning, in this case, the interests of finance capital and the interests of the working class that currently make up the constituency of the Democratic Party, there's going to be a wedge driven between them. Maybe it's the workerist rhetoric of Josh Hawley and... Tucker Carlson. Maybe it's something else. But if that is really the only political alliance that is available right now, we might want to start shopping for other partners. If we look and we take a wide historical view, most successful revolutions have some element of an infra ruling class dispute. And there's a section of the ruling class that makes a uneasy alignment with a radical insurgent group. And this is used to topple the existing political structure and install a new one. But the radical group never really gets to take power. It's just the ruling class interest that they find themselves in alliance with. And we're constantly talking about this political realignment that may happen in the next few years. The element of the ruling class that we would want to be realigned with would be the productive capital that is currently in bed with the Republican Party rather than the finance capital that seems to be steering the Democratic Party. Eric says, agree, been feeling this way about a potential party split in 2024. This is part of the culture war, it's part of the rhetoric. If we look back to Nietzsche's slave morality and master morality, there there is something to be said about the ANCOM or, or the anarchist desire for this non-hierarchical space and and minimizing harm and whatnot, where it really is okay for them to lose at certain points. It is kind of built into the system. And so this alliance between the radical anarchist underclass and the finance capital overclass uh, is very comfortable in in a moral sense in that Once their candidate finally takes office, they can then lose their ultimate objective of pushing their candidate left because if you were to ever really take power, then you would be responsible for all of the evils of the system. So I found myself wondering the coming wedge and the coming realignment that's going to reshape the parties as we know it and what all of the pieces in the puzzle happen to be now. There's going to be some uneasy alliance between the middle class the working class different elements of the ruling class and what stands the best chance in the future big picture analysis here I don't think we're gonna be able to win Medicare for all in the electoral field unfortunately and so what we need to be looking at is as America is competing with all of these other nations there's going to be an internal assessment that says why are we spending 20% 20% of our GDP on healthcare that just goes to a very narrow portion of the ruling class. That 20% of our total productivity in this society, of the real economy, we spend a ton on healthcare that is basically uh, a slot machine that feeds directly to this narrow portion of the ruling class. We need to remain competitive. We need to build our military. We need to do XYZ. Somebody's going to have to tighten their belts here. We're not going to upset the political economy of capitalism in general, but the arrangement of the seats at the table among the ruling class is going to have to be reshuffled a little bit so that we can remain competitive with China, so that we can remain competitive with everyone else. And the people who are going to, who are the most wasteful, the most parasitic, are certainly the people behind the American healthcare industry, of all, of all the ruling class. These guys just collect bills and, and drain society. But this is where it gets tricky. Those guys are steering the ship of the Democratic Party. So what you would want is an alliance between the working class and the productive capital that is currently working with the Republican Party. And ideally, those pieces can be coordinated in the coming realignment. Aurora in the chat says, if Trump's 2015 rhetoric, no wars, no military expenditures, universal health care, pro-union, dot, 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 whatever that meant for him, it would have forced this wedge sooner, but he became orthodox heritage Republican because he had no political infrastructure to make his improv rally takes come true. Exactly. That's exactly it. What is most important to remember here is that the Trump rhetoric won the last time around. He couldn't, he, he couldn't do the plan because he was a goddamn idiot. You know, he was corrupt. He was whatever. But the rhetoric won. I lose followers every time I repost something from your Insta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I am personally looking forward to the next explosion of the Overton window. We are sitting on a powder keg right now. Don't delude yourself. Brunch cannot last for more than a year. These narratives are so brittle, they're about to blow apart at the seams. The last thing that I'll leave people with is a few months ago, there was a study from the Knight Foundation called the 100 Million Project. And generally, there is a pervasive narrative in American society that there's an overwhelming majority for the Democrats. Most people don't vote because they're frustrated with the system, But if you allowed everybody to vote, and you expanded the franchise, and you had this perfect direct democracy without the Electoral College and whatever, whatever, that you would get an overwhelming landslide for the Democrats. And what the Knight Foundation did, this was a survey from a little bit less than a year ago, is they looked in depth and they did detailed polling of the 100 million Americans who don't vote. And what they found was that it is split almost exactly down the middle. The pervasive narrative through the media is this idea that we are right on the threshold of power. All that we need to do is allow people to get to the ballot box, and then the Democrats will have this overwhelming victory. And it is fundamentally not true. It's a piece of propaganda. So, signing off for my horseshoe rant tonight that will surely get me deplatformed and sent to gulag and everything else um thanks guys this was fun i'm gonna grab another drink and get to a little bit of editing um welcome to the new apartment by the way we will be set up streaming um hopefully i'll be off the floor for the next one so i have a desk that's coming on on monday and uh yeah yeah this is fun everybody i'll see you soon Now, the moral of our tale is don't blindly trust the news. Their goal is making money. They live to get views. What should matter is people, what's human and what's true. Look past the headlines: "Don't let them think for you." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Holy shit. Holy shit.